Welcome to Waypoint's What's the Point podcast. I'm Erica Castiglione, Director of Women's Care here at Waypoint, and I'm here with Sarah Weiner and Gina Yu. Yes, it's a Pastor's Wives Takeover on the podcast today. So um, we're going to be talking about Colossians and Bible study, but to get us warmed up, um, I was going to ask you guys, what's something that you've been doing recently to relax or to have fun? Um, during COVID especially, I've had some extra time, so I've been recording a lot of music and playing with my garage band and recording equipment and my plethora of instruments. So that has been really relaxing for me. Um, I don't feel like I've had a lot of extra time during COVID, but um, this past weekend, uh, Saturday, we went to the beach, which was really relaxing and really fun. So that's awesome. Well, I, um, my go-to relaxing um, activity of choice is normally reading and I have been reading some, but I've also been watching a lot more TV now that everyone has been home. So everyone's got their shows and different groups in the family are watching different shows. And lately, Danny and I have been watching um, documentaries. It sounds super nerdy and not much fun, but we've been having fun. We've been watching Ken Burns' uh, History of Country Music. So that's mm, been interesting. Wow. So. And uh, since we're talking about Bible study today, what is your experience um, with the Bible? Did you grow up uh, being exposed to the Bible as a kid, or is that something that came later in your life? Um, so I um, started going to church when I was about three. My parents moved to the States. My dad was in the military. And um, my parents decided they didn't want to have heathen children, so they started going to church. And so I got really into reading my Bible, I think. Um, I'm not at three, but um, I know growing up, I would, you know, I had Bible reading plans that I would try to attempt. And um, so it's been a lot sweeter lately. Um, to dive in and to know that it's not something that I need to do to please God, but that it is the word of God. And um, so we should love, love his word. Similarly, my story starts the same that we moved to the States when I was three and started going to church, mainly a Korean church to find community. And so in Korea, we did not attend church, but in America, we did. Um, I wouldn't say I was raised in a Christian home because we didn't read the Bible at home. Um, but we were exposed to it on Sunday mornings and Sunday school. Um, but it wasn't really until late high school when I became a Christian and in college that I actually started to read the Bible. And actually, that was one of the things that brought me to Christ. I remember vividly junior year high school, Sunday school, our Sunday school teacher was talking about Genesis through Revelation, and it dawned on me through the Holy Spirit that this could be real things that are we're talking about reality, not just a a fake story about the Bible. So I think that was one of the great ways that the Lord allows us to worship Him by knowing Him more through reading the Bible. So I've really enjoyed that since since then. This is really odd, but my family moved, made a move when I was three years old, <laughs> and uh, we moved to Nashville, and someone invited our family to church. So that's when we started attending church. So very strange. Yeah. <laughs> that all three of us start reading the Bible at age three. <laughs> a similar story. Um, so yes, reach out to people with uh, with infants and toddlers because uh, you never know what will happen. But um, we. Um, 
Yeah, so I was blessed to, to grow up going attending church, and it was about high school when I really started um, reading and studying the Bible. Um, I went to a, we had a class at my church where you read through the Bible in a year, and I didn't understand much of it, but I really enjoyed it, and I was kind of started the, the pattern. So um, this past year, it's been a little over a year now, um, we all together, actually I co-led with uh, Sunday mornings with Eugenia and Tuesdays um, with you, Sarah, we went through the book of Genesis in two different studies in the last fall and then last winter. So looking back to that time, um, what did you kind of take away from that deep dive we did in Genesis? It was kind of the beginning of, um, you know, women's Bible studies here. Uh, well, I love the book of Genesis, and I think I've studied it one or two times before, but it's interesting to study the same book of the Bible in a different season of life. Mm-hmm. So I think the last time I studied it was probably in college. Um, but coming, I guess, in a perspective of being a mom, of being a wife, um, working and not just being in school, I think I gleaned a lot of God's character as a father in Genesis and how he pursued humanity. I think I we often think of Old Testament God as very separate from us or harsh or judgmental, but I really was able to see God's love and his pursuit of that love, his kindness and his goodness in Genesis more than I had before. Um, so I thoroughly enjoyed Genesis. It's one of my favorite books. So, Yeah, I think especially the second study we did, we did was God of Covenant and going through, I think, chapters 12 through the end, through chapter 50, through all of the patriarchs in Genesis and um, all those things you said, Gina, and also just as patience, because we see the patriarchs fail over and over mm-hmm. again, and um, that they, you know, they can't live up to God's standard. They can't even figure out their own family a lot of the time. Um, but God's patience and His, I think, Gina, like you said, His pursuit of of His people, so. Um, we didn't really plan it that way, but we were going through the Pentateuch at the same time mm-hmm. as a church, so that was really cool. And I remember all of us talking about going home and having these long, <laughs> deep theological conversations with our husbands. I yeah. think one thing that was really helpful for me, as although I had studied it before, just coming across some passages that seemed uh, either troubling or confusing mm-hmm. in some ways and having to really wrestle with those and mm-hmm. look d- more deeply into those as well. Yeah. Um, so why do we have uh, women's Bible studies? Why do you think uh, those are beneficial? Um, how is it different than co-ed studies, which also are important and have their place to you? What would you say some benefits are? Are we just being exclusive for no reason, or is there a point? I think, um, I mean, one thing for me personally, um, I can get, I mean, just the season of life that I'm in, um, with two young kids, and I can get caught up in that and having um, a study, you know, and whether that's a small group, a co-ed small group study or like this women's study, uh, these women's studies that we've done, um, you know, just being able to dive in with other sisters and, you know, some of them are in the same, have been in the same stage that I'm in and some of them are uh, in different stages. And I think, um, yeah, just going deep as as sisters in Christ uh, into God's word 
um, making sure that we are, you know, really taking hold of the, you know, Colossians talks about like the spiritual knowledge and, um, yeah, just the, the truth that he reveals in his word. Um, I think, I think it's just been a joy for me to do that with others. I benefit from structure. So anything yes. that I sign up for and have homework and have something to do, um, you know, small groups every week, we just kind of talk about the sermons and certainly have questions, but there's not like homework or something I need to do. Um, mm-hmm. And just being like a more of a nerdy student, I kind of prefer that. And so having that structure and then looking forward to being with other women, which I don't always get to do. Also having mm-hmm. um, younger age kids and working. Um, so both things are very exciting for me. I get to s- talk about scripture, which I love to do, meet with friends from church, which I love to do, um, and then have something that I feel like I can do day to day and keep me accountable. So um, I think also women process things differently. And so, you know, our application to the word could be different from men. Um, it's not just a gender thing. It could be personalities and things like that. But I love the perspective that I get from other women because we're in similar stages or in similar maybe mindsets or emotions. Um, and then hearing a whole different perspective with that paradigm in set. Yeah. Yeah, and even facilitating these studies too, going to what you said, Gina, the um, the push to make sure that you really are studying it before you're studying it as a group, and you get to do, you know, you have your homework to do, and um, yeah, wrestling through questions together as you study it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with all those things. Yeah, and I've been really thankful too that the studies have been really intergenerational to you and been able to grow through that. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, too, when people thought women's Bible study, you know, definitely like a pink cover with roses, and it was very topical, but I've enjoyed being able to, like, dig into particular books of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And right now we're on Colossians. This is week seven of an eight-week study, so we're almost done. How has this Colossians study been different than studying Genesis, and how has it um, been beneficial? What have you taken away? I know uh, COVID has definitely um, added some challenges. One study is through Zoom. Um, One's early in the morning on Tuesday mornings. Um, so yeah, what are what are some thoughts on Colossians? Um, I love that the Bible has different kinds of books, and so certainly an epistle like Colossians in the New Testament, written by Paul, is very different from Genesis, the opener of a Pentateuch, a narrative in the Old Testament. And so in Genesis, I felt like I saw like a, I was watching a movie. And I can see God being the string and the thread. Um, whereas Colossians, I feel like is, okay, this is my how to ap- apply Jesus in my life from Paul. Um, so I love those differences. and I love both kinds of books. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, kind of like you're saying, Gina, there's still, um, you still have to know the context for each of those types of books, the big narrative of Genesis. You need to know who's writing it and who is is he writing it to. And you need to know those same things for even a short letter like Colossians, but they are really different. Um, Paul hones in because he's writing very specifically to this um, group of believers. And um, I think something that I never noticed before when I read Colossians or just didn't remember was 
he's talking about Epaphras who um, shared the gospel with all these people mm-hmm. and how he has been a faithful servant. And I didn't take note of him before or um, just forgot about him, mm-hmm. but um, that Paul hadn't even met all these people necessarily that he was writing to. Um, one of my... Um, I mean, Paul talks a lot about Christ is supreme, Christ is the head, and um, one of my favorite, uh, there's so much good stuff in Colossians, Um, but one thing that came to mind for a couple verses is in chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, this is the NLT, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Um, so it goes on to talk about how Christ purified us and he's made us holy and blameless. But, you know, he was pleased to do this and Christ was willing and pleased to do this. Um, so, yeah, it's just beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I know it's amazing. Um, you know, so Genesis has 50 chapters and Colossians has four. So you think, mm-hmm. okay, this is going to be easier. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> every verse is so rich, like mm-hmm. you were saying. And yeah, bringing up that that Paul didn't even know these people, mm-hmm. and yet he longed for them mm-hmm. to grow in the relationship with Christ. Yeah, one of my favorite passages, like you, there are so many. But this is uh, Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. And thankfulness comes up again, too, again and again. Mm-hmm. One, one of the benefits of studying a small book is that a short book is that you can read it over and over and over again. And then you notice things that you didn't notice yeah. the first few readings. So. The first half of the letter kind of centers on who Christ is and our identity as a result of who Christ is. Um, So what did you learn about Christ from this letter? Um, How would you describe what it means to be in Christ or as Paul puts it, your life is hidden with Christ? So um, to start, one Another thing I've loved doing Colossians right now is we're also reading Romans as a church, and they have a lot of parallels. And, you know, Romans is another letter from Paul. And um, so thinking about, we've talked in small group about um, being in Adam, and then um, Adam was kind of our representative, and now we are in Christ because we have died to sin with Christ. Um and we are a new creation. We are putting on the new self. Um, and so I think that helps me, like being, you know, what does being in Christ, living in Christ mean? Um, I think just knowing the distinction between our old self and our new self. Um, we are alive with Him. We will be raised with Him. Um, and we will be glorified with Him. And um, so I think that's been a helpful um thought comparing to being in Adam physical body and then being in Christ um, our spiritual our new spiritual lives mm-hmm. I love that Paul starts with Christ because don't you have to start with Christ like mm-hmm. Christ is the foundation I love the word preeminent mm-hmm. I don't use that word ever so I had to look it up and mm-hmm. it said surpassing all others um, I just love Christ is preeminent and I didn't 
remember that Colossians was like when one of the questions, how do you, you know, what's the theme? Jesus, 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 because from Jesus overflows everything. And I think the whole, one of the other themes in Colossians that I was thinking through is like inside out. It's a transformation, not outside in, which is what we're so inclined to do as humans. In human nature, I'm very perfectionist, legalistic, want to follow the rules. And so I want to make sure all those outwardly things are checked off. But really what Colossians is saying, Christ is preeminent. He is in everything and he is in you. And therefore out of the overflow are all these things. So you have to start with Christ, which obviously Paul does for a reason. And I love that um, he's reminding us of the gospel, of what happened. He's reminding the church in Colossae who weren't necessarily Jewish um, of what Jesus did, who he was. And from that, everything overflows and we get to be hidden in him um, as like a rock and a refuge. That's the imagery I I have with hidden in Christ. Mm -hmm. And we get to be grafted into him and part of him. And because our seed and our DNA is him, it forms and births this. So it's it's such a gospel message that I need to hear inside out, Gina, inside out, not outside so you could show what's in. You know, that doesn't make sense and doesn't work that way. And so... Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is first the preeminent. That reminds me, isn't there like a 90s praise song from the inside out? It's like, yes, <laughs> my favorite song from the inside out. Right. Yes, <laughs> love it. But yeah, I love the the book that we used, our guide was called Raised Together. And um, I think so often, I know I focus on Christ died for my sins on the cross, but I often stop there. I forget that there was mm-hmm. the resurrection and we're, we not only have died, but we've been raised too. Mm -hmm. And like you were saying that once we understand that, how do we live in light of that, at that truth? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And um, how do we live together in light of that truth? Like all Paul's letters, there's a lot about how people from different cultures Mm -hmm. have to learn to, to get along together and what's essential, what's not essential. Mm -hmm. Um, The second half kind of focuses more on those practical things, how we interact with each other, within our family, within our communities. What were some things that kind of stood out to you in the second half, chapters three and four? Um, Right before the second half, he talks about human traditions. I did want to think through, okay, these are Gentiles that had religious, cultural traditions and values. Um, And then here comes the gospel with Jesus kind of Jewish, but we're not just talking about an exchange of traditions and values, Mm -hmm. which I think easily people can do. And I think we do as Christians also Mm -hmm. in America. It's like, okay, now I'm Christian. So now I tack on these things. Mm -hmm. And that's like I said, outside, that's outside in sort of thinking. Um, But instead, like, it's not a exchange of traditions and like so before we go on to verse or chapter three and four, these these are not a list of things that we need to do instead of what we've already been doing. But because um, it's not about cultural values, it's about kingdom values, it's a transformation. Like when you are chapter one and two, deeply rooted in Christ and you put off those human traditions and those false teachers, then comes like the transformative chapter three and four mainly about all the new self. And Mm so I did want to make a difference in like cultural values, religious values versus biblical kingdom values. Um, And that again, going, going back to what are we going to then 
put off and put on. It's not like a, oh, I'm just going to exchange my wardrobe for Erica's wardrobe. It's a, it's a true transformation. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a really good point that you make. Um, it is, the picture is, you know, dis, like disrobing mm-hmm. these old things, these things of death, these things of sin. But you're right, it's not just the, the culture uh, the traditions, like you said, um, it's like, yeah, inside out transformation. I feel like that's really, you really do have to start there. Otherwise it does become legalistic. Yeah. Um, and he says put to death and death is painful. It's hard. Yeah. It's a sacrifice. And so like entering marriage for two to become one, there's a death to ourselves in some way in order for us to be united and one. And similarly, um, we put to death these things is not a, oh, let me just change my yellow jacket for a green jacket. You know, it's a, okay, burn the yellow jacket. It's mm-hmm. never going to be seen here again because I'm a green jacket girl now, you know. <laughs> or I don't, I don't wear colorful things, but why, I don't know why I picked this color. Let's do neutrals here. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, put to death, really, not just to, uh, just to put off, you know. Right. I love that Paul uses so many different analogies yeah. in all his letters because no one is exactly perfect, but all together it starts to make sense. Like in, you were saying, it kind of goes so well with what we're learning in Romans that, okay, now we've been adopted. That's who we are, but how do we live in that family? Or to use another Romans example, like we've changed allegiance. We used to be mm-hmm. servants of sin and mm-hmm. death, and now we're servants of righteousness, you know? Yeah. And it's a true shift. It's not just a. Yeah, uh, a wardrobe upgrade, or yeah, yeah, yeah. you're saying, yeah. And a lot of these outflowing things are how are they? Um, you know, he deals with the false teaching, but then he, you know, how are they um, living with one another? Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about um, don't lust, don't um, do, e- don't have evil desires, don't be greedy. But then he talks about um, like the way we. Um, the way we speak, um, no anger, no rage, no slander, no dirty language. Um, and then later, that's all beginning of chapter three. And then later in chapter three, um, I love uh, like verses um, 12 through 14, because I have a song that comes to mind that I sing with mm-hmm. Esther. Um mm-hmm. But you Would know, you like to sing it here for us. I know. But yeah, you have to clothe yourself with with a different kind of thing, and that comes from Christ. You know, it can't be. Mm-hmm. Let me muster up these right. good things mm-hmm. from within myself. That my new self is Christ. Right. Mm-hmm. If we are in Christ, then it comes from Him. So mercy and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience. This is. This is with our interactions with other believers. Um, make an allowance for each other's faults. Forgive those who offend you. Um, mm-hmm. Above oh, all, yeah, close, your, close yourself with yourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. So, um, yeah, he talks about you know belief, like the false teaching, and then he talks about like we we're saying three and four, the practical life, and how do you interact with one another, mm-hmm. and um, so. And he has these lists and probably all, like most all of his epistles, mm-hmm. and they are, they're helpful to have. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, in our, in our current climate, I'm looking at this list as you're reading. Wow, what mm-hmm. if we did display yeah. tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, make allowance for each other's faults, forgive those who offend you. Like what a mm-hmm. a bright light that shines on the gospel. Yeah, you know? it did remind me of the law. These these lists remind me of the law and how we're supposed to use the law is not as our gauging our ability to fulfill the law, but that Christ fulfilled the law. And we go back and read the law and like not to feel guilty. Oh man, I'm not kind and right. humble and this and that, but like, oh, through Christ, this is what I'm going to be, or mm-hmm. this is what I am, or this mm-hmm. is what I can be. Um, and another imagery that Paul might give us is like an adoption. And so I think about Hudson who was adopted, and now that he is a you, what do the yous look like? Because he's in our family, he's going <laughs> to like to eat, and he's going to like to travel to fun places and learn about different cultures. He's going to like dance parties and music, and like he does. Not He might not have before, but he's part of our family, and because we do those things, he does those things too, and he shows those things. So I think it's another like beautiful image of adoption and this put to death and put on mm-hmm. um but that the, it's good for us to be reminded of these things just like the law um we love the law because we know already someone who fulfilled it and we are his and we can do that you know yeah and i i think we i need this reminder over and over again it's not a striving it's not mm-hmm. oh i need Me too. gosh i need to be more humble gosh i need to be more gentle and patient because I do need to be those things more. But, you know, it's, wait, Christ, like Christ has saved me from these these sins, these things of death. My old self, this is me, mm-hmm. right? This, I'm, I'm not trying to get to my new self. I, Christ justified me and I, this, I am in this new self mm-hmm. with these things. And so I think, you know, and I struggle with the striving versus the resting. So I think resting in the gospel that Paul starts out with, and and that's what he does for the the Colossians, right? Um, knowing and resting in the truth of the gospel, and let Christ work through that and work through you, mm-hmm. and He displays these things. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful picture of what Christ is like. The reason that we're we become like this is because we become more Christ-like, and that's so true. He is gentle, yeah. loving, mm-hmm. yes, merciful, yeah, yeah, kind. So the second half of chapter three focuses more on the family and community structure. I think the Bible Project video on Colossians is just phenomenal and gives such a great um, understanding of kind of what Paul was doing as far as working within the culture, but like also showing something that's completely different as far as how um, family members honor one another. And um, mm-hmm. was going to hear what some of your thoughts were on that, the positives, but also, unfortunately, uh, some of these verses have been misinterpreted to justify abuse of power, whether mm-hmm. that's abuse um, of children or in marriage or condone um, slavery, different Mm -hmm. types of abuses. How would you respond to someone who's reading these verses and struggling over that and the the ways that those have been or can be 
misused. Um, it's been nice to read the whole book as one because I get a different perspective now reading verse uh, chapter 3, verse 18 to four one. Instead of like, okay, this is now a list of things you're supposed to do. I, one, see it in context to a group of Gentiles who have like a certain household rule based on their own culture mm-hmm. is now Paul trying to teach them this is what a Christian Christ-centered house could look like in your culture. There's also a little snapshot of their culture where they had bond servants and where it's probably a very patriarchal culture. Um, children had a certain role. So we, we do see cultural snapshots there too, but we see it as like in this um, period of time and for us, a Christian household could look like this in peace. And mainly that it is almost like a flowing, everyone has a role, an important one, um, a, a good one. And when in relationship are loving one another well, um, it's flowing and it's adding to society and to this family and to culture. So I see it way more big picture than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of like nitpick, okay, I have to submit to Lawrence and then he has to love me and then Hudson and just have to obey me. Like instead of thinking of it as like a list of things, when we're loving each other well, it could look like this. Like I, I see it as that. Yeah. Last year, um, I was able to take a class on the New Testament, and it was very enlightening. Um, the professor shared a lot of like literature um, from this time period and letters, and how husbands and the society had absolutely no, um, no accountability, complete um, control, and were expected to have extramarital affairs, abuse their servants. I mean, the idea of like them being called to like love their wives, um, to not aggravate their children, to remember that they have a master, that there's some sort of equality playing out there was like revolutionary within their um, culture as well. And in fact, one of the reasons a lot of women were drawn to Christianity, a lot of the young the believers in the early church were women, was because of the way men were expected to act within the Christian culture, you know, that they were expected to also like love and, and care and submit. And um, one thing I think that's also really interesting, and the Bible Project video points this out too, but um, in chapter four of Colossians, we haven't got there as a Bible study yet, but one thing I love is in all of these names that Paul is mm-hmm. listing at the end, there's all these stories. First of all, I love like list of names because it just reminds me that this is real. This was a real letter with real people, mm-hmm. with their stories. But um, one that's particularly interesting is in Colossians 4, 9, he mentions um, Onesimus. And it says, I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people, um, you know, to tell you everything that's coming. You calls him a faithful brother. And um, scholars are pretty... Most I believe unanimously believe that this is the same man that's mentioned in Philemon mm-hmm. and in verse 16, who was a bond servant who had run away. And he comes back with a letter from Paul to his, who would have been his master and said, receive him back, mm-hmm. but not just as a servant, as a brother. And that we see this like played out so that, I mean, talk about like, you know, changing their whole perspective on this bond servant master relationship Mm -hmm. yeah i think again the context is really important and even thinking back to 
you know, the Pentateuch and um, how God set up the, and again, this isn't, this isn't Israelites, the Colossians weren't, but even how God set it up, you know, if someone was in debt, you know, they could become a servant to someone else to pay off their debt, but God set it up so that people would be free and that obviously became very broken and distorted. And Erica, like you said, in this, even in this Colossians context, there was a lot of brokenness and um, oppression within those systems in the society. So I think that's something to ke- that you have to keep in mind. And another thing I'm thinking is Paul is not going to say, you know, be tenderhearted, uh, merciful, kind, humble, and then contradict himself six mm-hmm. verses later, a few mm-hmm. sentences later. Right. Um, so this is all, mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it does all flow together. And um, he's going to, all this is in view of who Christ is. You have received the gospel. You are now ambassadors of the gospel and so how are you living and how are you showing other people who Christ is? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think um, 323 sums up that section. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance as your reward and you are serving the Lord Christ. That this is what it looks like when Christ is in the center of your marriage, of your family, of your work. Um yeah, that it's not to please just that person. Um, there's a lot of contrast in Colossians, like shadows and reality and earthly things, heavenly things. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the putting off all those old self and then the new self. And so, again, reinforcing practically, this is what living in the shadows and earthly things may look like just trying to please people and get by. And then this is what it would look like to serve the Lord and have him at center. Um, And out of the overflow, yes, wives and husbands would look like this and children and their parents would look like this and bosses and employees Mm -hmm. would look like this. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it's trying to paint Mm -hmm. a beautiful picture of peace Mm -hmm. in Christ. Exactly. You have to look at the heart of, I've got throughout all of scripture and like you were saying, like, yeah, they're He's not going to contradict that character. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. of course, if God is not a God who condones abuse, if anyone is in that situation, mm-hmm. get out for sure. Yes, yes, yes get definitely. out. But definitely mm-hmm. um, within, yeah, like you were saying, unto the Lord mm-hmm. to lovingly serve one another lovingly. Mm-hmm. Um, live in that. So wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to say about Colossians, first of all? And then how would you encourage uh, someone from church who's considering joining a Bible study, possibly for the first time, and um, or maybe somebody who's participated and might want to facilitate or organize their own? What would you, How would you encourage them? As far as Colossians go, I, I, I think if you forget who you are, your identity— Go to Colossians because mm-hmm. it is rooted in Jesus, 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 Jesus is preeminent and put off your old self and the new. This is what you look like in the new self. So I think it's a great book to run to. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a great one for us to study during COVID times, I think, as, as a lot of us were wondering what's going on right now in the world. And we know that being grounded and rooted in Christ, it, it, there's significance. And we know that um, there's meaning still. 
um, as far as those who've never been in a Bible study, um, you know, you could participate by just listening and coming and trying to um, get exposure to the Bible. Um, it's a great way to meet other people and maybe even afterwards ask them questions and follow up. Um, and as far as facilitating, I've loved facilitating with Erica and it did make me dive into the word more. And, um, I had to read it because if I did it, then I couldn't facilitate. <laughs> so it was a very good accountability, uh, which is what I needed. And so, um, it's, it's, it's just a, it's a facilitator. We're not seminary. Uh, well, Erica might be a seminary student, but we are, or Sarah might be too. I don't know. We're technically, you know, not theologians, but you don't have to be to facilitate a study or to be in a Bible study, of course. Yeah, I think um, there's so many good resources. You know, this is our third um, women's Bible study that we've done. Um, and, you know, and you can do it. You don't have to get, you know, not, you don't have to have the group get a book to work through. But, you know, you have homework questions set up for you. And um, it is much easier to facilitate, you know, if there's a, a book of the Bible that you're wanting to study, why not bring others along with you and um, see more of who God is together? And um, yeah, I agree with being a facilitator. It um, kind of forces you to work through it, and which is a good thing. Um, and yeah, creating a schedule. And um, yeah, Colossians, Colossians has been... Um, really good at just, yeah, I think like Gina said, remembering uh, the promises of God and what Christ has done for us. He's purified us by his blood on the cross to make us holy and blameless. And um, yeah, therefore we can live as his new creation. And yeah, it's been Eric and I were talking earlier. We've felt kind of scattered, and maybe that's COVID, but it's it still has been a good study, and it has been good during this time period in our lives. So, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to keep uh, offering things here at Waypoint, so don't feel like, I mean, if you miss something, don't feel bad. Like, there'll be another season. Like, the fact that we're offering is not the expectation that everybody should be doing everything that's going on. But we're going to keep uh, giving opportunities. And I love that these letters were meant um, to be read to a group of people and uh, to be played out. And there's something about learning and community that's especially sweet. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. Yes, you're welcome. Fun. All right. Yeah. See you later. How long was it? I didn't stop yet because I was going to give Eric a little surprise. Woo woo, pastors wise, <laughs> Erica, Sarah, and Gina, Gina. the pastors wise. <laughs>